Hi, this is Vanessa Taholka, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website or Bite Into It's Facebook or Twitter accounts. And you're listening to Bite Into It. It's through Triple R with Maze and Ro. How are we this evening, Maze? Welcome to our monthly games show. Um, Triple R listeners might be um, familiar. Every first Wednesday of the month, Byte transforms into couch co-op where we do our games shows. And while Dan isn't here, Ro is here. So we'll get to. (laughs) Yeah. Really excited. Oh, Um, exactly. So, um, yeah, we wanted to, um, you know, throw in a big thank to Kate Kingsmill for the last three hours with The Distant Sky. So she'll be back in three weeks' time um, and we're looking forward to the fill-in and then her return. Um, So, Maze, before we hoover into all things gaming, um, you've been a busy bunny of late. (laughs) (laughs) I have. I have. Um, Working with... Someone who's pretty amazing, who's going to be on the show later, Anne Charleston. Ah, I'm so of, excited about this. I cannot yes, tell you. <laughs> of Madge from Neighbours fame. Um, just a complete superstar of an actor, um, you know, has been acting for just so long um, and have had the huge privilege of working with her on the soon-to-be-released Wayward Strand. Amazing. Um, so that's pretty awesome. And then, um, but before that, we'll be having some news and reviews. But has anything piqued your interest in the last week, Ro, on games and gaming news or anything like that? Well, there's definitely a lot of foot. Um, I have been a bit neglectful of my little Animal Crossing island. And um, so I dived back on just in time for their special festival episode. So the place looks like an absolute bombsite, but I managed to, you know, get some sequins on and catch some feathers and um, had a lovely time. And I do really like how these games do such a nice job of re-engaging you when you've, you know, had a bit of time off for uni or time off for work reasons and... Yeah, and and what did you, you get the update of Animal Crossing? Because I did. There was an up- yes, I did, and, and I really like it. You know, I think yay. it's one of those things they cleverly introduce just when it starts to feel a bit. Uh, how many fish can you catch? Yes, and, um, it's, or you've perfected your island. Exactly. So it's um, let's move on. It's it, <laughs> yeah. So it's really opened it up to doing a whole new things and obviously lots of new features and lots of new tools to use. So um, yeah, they they might still have my attention for a bit longer. I think. <laughs> mm. I've been um, looking at new Pokemon. Mm. Um, we've got a new season of Pokemon with three new starters and everything is Spain inspired or Spanish inspired. So there's Sprigatito, the grass Pokemon who looks like a kind of a fox cat grass thing. Yes. Um, Well, they do say, you know, foxes are dogs running on cat software. So (laughs) that's probably a great description. (laughs) Um, We have for Coco, who is the fire croc Pokemon. My personal favourite. Ah, nice. And Quaffly, the duckling Pokemon, um, who's being coined as the duck wearing a hat. Um, <laughs> I think it yeah. looks like a bit of an Elvis Quaff. Yeah, 
I think you're right. Or it could just be right. a bucket on the head, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I saw someone had reversed the picture or flipped the picture of Sprigatito and the eyes became kind of um, a, a bit asymmetrical and it did make um, make the Pokemon look a little high or a little pinging. And um, <laughs> I think... I think that's the might be why that one is my favourite. <laughs> I love it. Ah, oh, so do, do you like um, original Sprigatito or slightly high Sprigatito? Oh, slightly high Sprigatito, yes. Excellent. <laughs> the attention-seeking grass Pokemon, yes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and we've got a little bit of um, extra news, gaming news lurking around. Yes, so the main villain character of the games industry, Bobby Kotick. Um, you know, so the last news with Activision Blizzard was that Microsoft had bought them in amongst all of the unionization um, happening where half the studios are going on strike, um, QA went on strike, all of the gamers were like, oh my God, suddenly all oh, there's these bugs in our games. Um, stocks plummeted. Now, uh, Call of Duty execs have accused the Microsoft have accused um, the uh, yes, sorry, the Call of Duty execs <laughs> have been accused of using the Microsoft deal to line their pockets, um, taking a whole lot of that money and just running off, basically, which is what. Everyone thought Bobby Kotick would be doing an yeah. easy out for him. Um, but the uh, latest DICE Awards, which is basically the Oscars for the games, um, finally some of these MCs and things. So Greg Miller has come up on the stage and said, F Bobby Kotick to <laughs> cheers and applause from the whole all of the megastars of games. So Oof. that is just a really great kind of, I think, breaking the ice. Like, you know, we don't need to align with these mega corps. Um, we can be individuals, artists, things like that. Yes. Um, without being like, without having to pretend that the games industry is all bright and shiny and all we do is play games. Um mm. So, um, latest update in the villain story, I think. Yeah. Uh, that's what that's been. I bet that was wildly cathartic for the folk in the audience too, you know, oh, four just, beers deep and hearing that. <laughs> yes, to not have to pretend to be happy while all of these AAA games still take all of these awards while their workers are on strike. Yeah, yep. and, you know, being pressured to crunch and all of the other mm -hmm. horrible things with Ugh, yeah. Yes. What else in news, Ro? Um, well, you know, the, the world has gotten a little bit carried away on the old uh, cyber attack front. So um, <laughs> NVIDIA has been completely compromised in a um, new cyber attack. So whole sections of the tech firm's business have actually been offline for two days. So that, that was a really, really big deal. So um, for those who don't know, NVIDIA is um, America's largest microchip company. So they're, they're basically a graphics card company. So they also run the cloud gaming 
growing subscription for, for uh, sorry, Blurt subscription service, GeForce Now. Mm. Um, and so there's a security intrusion of some sort. They haven't disclosed whether it has compromised the confidential details of its customers or staff, but they did suspect that the internal systems that were affected by this cyber attack include its email and developer tools, which is not a small deal. So... Um, they're a bit worried that somebody might have put something in one of the pending software updates. So they've basically had to take whole sections of their business offline to sort of isolate it, ring fence it and protect it a little bit. And um, they've got a bit of bit of cleaning up to do. So, um, yeah. A huge effort. And imagine like, you know, not to kind of be on the hacker's side, but um, imagine making ransomware that could do that. It's a pretty, you know. pretty big call, but um, also the ransomware group that claimed rep- responsibility for it was allegedly allegedly subjected to a ransomware attack of their own. So um, <laughs> challenge accepted. Yeah, That's challenge accepted, said. big time. So um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it's definitely been um, probably a very stressful and horrendous time for, you know, all of the NVIDIA team members across the board from management to day-to-day staff and possibly even customers. So that's a little bit less fun. But um, I guess, you know, seeking nicely into mental health (laughs) and the impacts Mm. that this sort of stuff can happen. Um, The Mental Health Foundation um, has asked the industry to do more for players' wellbeing. So, you know, they're out there encouraging developers to try to tackle toxic behaviour, boost representation and design for breaks, which I think is a really interesting one. So much of gaming is designed to keep you in your seat um, Mm. and, you know, whizzing in your empty Gatorade bottle and, um, you know, encourage a bit more reflection. I know. Sorry. Um, (laughs) So, um, yeah, basically at the start of the week – the Mental Health Foundation, which is the official UK sort of mental health not-for-profit, issued five recommendations to game makers after a really big research program um, and it followed a bunch of gamers' playing habits for several weeks and asked them to keep lots of logs. And, yeah, the recommendations are to tackle those harmful behaviours in really toxic communities, which will probably be no surprise to anyone. Um, really tackle discrimination by ensuring that there's a bit more really properly meaningful inclusion and representation, you know, having people people at the table from all sorts of backgrounds, um, from writing and scripting and designing to real and make it better anyway, so do it. But also um, <laughs> embed some mental health content in games, you know, yeah. raise awareness and have those conversations, but also um, help players game more intentionally via those design features. And, you know, obviously you've done quite a bit of work in this space. Um, yeah. Yeah, opinions? <laughs> I just so I've been watching a friend stream online um, one of the earliest Tomb Raider games, and it made me think of a talk that I went to maybe 2016 at a PAX, um, talking about how Lara Croft should have PTSD, mm. um, and in one of the Lara Croft games she does see a therapist, but you see her have the appointment. And then, then you just load it into the level and you're fine, you know? Yeah. And I think that a lot of mental health is often treated as this kind of puzzle. And um, uh, Life is Strange is also being criticised in this way where, like, ah, oh, you know, um, cure this person's depression. 
by doing these game mechanics um, and that kind of thing. So I think, you know, we're on the way. We're definitely talking about it. And mm-hmm. especially in indie games, we're definitely really far ahead of, you know, figuring out how to do this, what are the most ethical ways of doing this. Mm. Um, yeah, but I think when we look at AAA, as we have been recently opening every games episode with the latest in unionization. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, as far as representation in, of the actual workers working on games in mainstream, it's um, slow. Mm. Slow. Yeah. You're listening to a Triple R podcast. Discover more podcasts from Triple R exploring science, technology, food, books, social issues, politics, and more. To listen, hit up the Triple R website or your favorite podcast platform. Ro, I've got a game to tell you about. I'm excited to hear about it. It's called Brave Mouse Cartographer. Best game name ever. <laughs> yes. Yes, before the show, we were chatting. Um, with the bite team and they said, Oh, frog detective, brave mouse. What's next? Um, <laughs> and Laura suggested cockroaches, which I think is disgusting. Laura, if you're listening, <laughs> <laughs> Laura, we don't approve of your idea, but we could turn them into awesome ones like pirate adventuresome cockroaches or <laughs> space dude cockroach. <laughs> Actually, that would be pretty cool, cockroaches in space. That makes a lot of sense. You know, we always joke about how they're the only thing that are going to survive nuclear fallout, the heat death of the universe. There'll still be cockies scuttling around. Cockies. I love (laughs) that you've become so affectionate about them. Oh, well, I wasn't so affectionate about them when I went to um, get a Haribo gummy bear out of a jar and a cockroach came flying out of it just the other day. Like the whole lot, including the jar, went straight into the bin and it's probably been locked in there for three months. (laughs) Oh, no. So not one of life's best moments, I've got to say. Um, But, yeah, I love love the idea of... um, Brave Mouse Cartographer as a bit of a game game concept. So um, tell us a little bit about it, Maze. Okay, so this game is where you play as a mouse on an eagle's back and the oh. eagle is flying around um, and that's it that happens in the game is this eagle just flies over mountains, over rivers, over valleys, just flying around and around and around and doesn't land. And then next to the game, there's instructions. And the instructions say, map this place. Name these different places that you see. Oh, I so, love that. Yeah. And when I when I first encountered this game, again, it was a streamer. Yes, I watch Twitch 24-7 when I'm not working. Twitch is great. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she was sitting there like, oh, I'm not, I'm not doing anything. Oh, we're meant to name places. Well, I named this river Original River, the first river that we saw. And then in chat, we got to name these different places and we started being a bit silly, like I named that tree tree one and that tree tree two. And then it was like, ah, you know, this. uh, perhaps we have to have this kind of tranquil valley or perhaps we're going to have these big peaks that we might call 
um, Dorito Peaks or, you know, and, and just <laughs> the different kinds of naming ideas that came from chat where the people were trying to be very earnest or where the people were looking at the things around them in the room was almost similar to the original intent of this game, yep. which was to be played on a wall of a festival. Um, and, in fact, the first festival that it was shown at was a maze in Berlin. Yep. Um, and uh, in in one of the very long descriptions about this game, um, you know, it talks about, okay, when you present this game, you project it onto the wall and then put paper and pens and sticky notes and things all around so that any audience member can, you know, it, it says to put it in a hallway where there's a lot of foot traffic um, off to the side somewhere so that there's a little bit of room but um, where people will walk past a lot and, um, you know, quite casual, don't just stand there and watch but kind of contribute and then move on maybe. Maybe check on it later to see how much of this place has been mapped. Oh, very cool. Yeah. And, you know, um, I don't even remember why this game came up on the stream. Actually, I think it might have been because the stream was rodent-themed that month um, <laughs> and we were looking at rodent games that were on itch. Um, I love that. Yeah, so there was no expectation going in, which is quite similar to that festival scenario where, you know, you might have gotten a list of what you might see at the festival, but... Um, to just see it on the wall in the hall is, you know, you just kind of got to look at it and figure it out. Um, and yeah. I think also, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm getting into that quite a bit because when you were first describing it, I was thinking, well, okay, well, that'll just be a really fun um, reflection of your personality, you know, whether you're going to be going, I'm going to call this the exasperating peak and the, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it takes on a completely different angle when you're talking about a festival's worth of, um, you know, an audience, all in different mindsets, all with different personalities and backgrounds and, um, you know, what you could possibly end up with at the end of a big session. Absolutely. And it makes me think about like, um, maybe that would be a cute date night, like, you know, uh, the music is very beautiful, but maybe you could, you know, listen to an album and, and you know, match the album to this map that you're seeing, um, you know, while you're discussing your, you know, five date questions or something. You could look <laughs> at the map and be like, ha, huh, you could name that mountain morbid mountain also. <laughs> oh absolutely I completely love that I was also thinking it could be a very fun way you know how with those sort of like your big four consultancies and all that kind of stuff where they do all the psychometric oh, yeah. testing personality <laughs> tests as part of your job interview just lock you in a room for a couple of hours with a brave mouse cartographer to get a bit of a sense for <laughs> you, you know your naming convention skills yeah or just what's in people's minds mm. Um, and I love, you know, so often we talk about um, social games and video games and board games and something about social games and board games is that the players have to opt in to how to play it. Um, you know, uh, while some board games allow you to rip up cards, most board games don't. Um, and it would probably be called cheating if you ripped up a card or threw it out or something <laughs> like that. 
Um, but you, you can, everyone agrees that we're going to play by certain rules. You can have house rules and things like that. While in a video game, you can't rip up one of the cards in game, like if that does, if it doesn't allow you to. Like you can only do things that the game allows you to, or or hack it somehow, which is mm. you know not really as accessible as a social game. Um, but this video game. It's basically a screensaver, and all the gameplay happens outside of the game. So you could you could come up with any kinds of rules for this game, oh. you know? Yeah. This is fascinating. This is completely fascinating. So screensaver vibes, the mouse is just on the eagle's back, grooving around, looking at stuff. Yeah. And when something piques your idea as the gamer, you, that's when you interact? Is that sort of... Yeah, exactly. I love that. It makes me think of like, um, you know, watching the Falcons on Collins Street or something like that. Oh, I adore that. Yeah, you know, something interesting might happen. And then, you know, you log into Twitter or you check in on your group chat and you'd be like, hey, everyone, look (laughs) at the Falcons. Look at the Falcons now. Um, They're they're bobbing their heads or something. Um, And I imagine that kind of thing could happen at the festival too where like – Okay, so, you know, maybe we spent a lot of time just above these valleys, but hey, oh my God, guys, we're going over some like desert material right now. Like, holy shit, come and look, you know? Yeah. Um, I completely love that idea. Um, And I'm also wondering, like, what's your view? Because obviously, with um, the panini that we've been experiencing for the last two and a bit years, mm. um, that you know, so many of conferences and festivals and events and things have moved online. And I guess one good outcome is so much technology has improved in terms of facilitating really interesting online spaces and things like that to get people engaging in that more traditional way. But um, do you think that um, Brave Mouse Cartographer as a game could have really good applications in like a virtual? virtual event as well? Yeah, I think it's a game that, you know, a a communal, one might say, local multiplayer game that does really transcend the need for a hallway. Um, And, you know, when when we played it on stream, the streamer actually, she went away, she went to the toilet for a bit and left the game going. And it was like, is this polite? Like... (laughs) (laughs) is it okay that you've left and just left the game going like now we're on our own? Like what? Um, and, and we also in the chat started to brainstorm like, Oh, you know, maybe we could get a mirror board up or maybe we could get, you know, one of these online shared whiteboards. So maybe we could start mapping it and stuff like that. Um, but as we were all kind of stuck in our seats and we weren't walking past the game, we got um, done after about, 40 minutes, which is mm-hmm. pretty long considering, you know, a lot of the games that we were playing, we were like, okay, done after 10 minutes. Um, yeah. But for 40 minutes we were mapping and discussing and coming up with the different tools that we could use because they weren't presented to us, you know, in the real space. Um, so it was almost more engaging and more collaborative and a lot less kind of passive. And we did talk about um, – how long could we ask Nicole, the streamer, 
to keep this game going. Like, if she ended stream, could we ask her to keep the game open and, like, stream it just onto the Discord or, you know, like... Yeah, fun. Could we keep... <laughs> Could we keep it open? Um, and then we were thinking, um, okay, so, you know, it looks like it's made in Unity, um, which is in C Sharp. So, you know, we could decompile this game and maybe um, we could get in and, like, make the eagle create a track of, like, breadcrumbs or something, you know, so that we can see, you know, where it's going and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah it was <laughs> <laughs> so much happened outside of the game and the way that the gameplay transformed in whether it's in a festival or whether it's on Twitch, I just, there was something that really struck me. Um, the game didn't change itself, but we all changed, mm. which I thought was very cool. Um, and yeah, no wonder it's won a couple of awards. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's super interesting. I'm wondering, is there yeah. scope for um, one or even a small group of the players to sabotage it? Can they erase past work? Can they restart it in the middle of a session? Or is it pretty locked down? Well, it. I'm not sure, but it seems to be totally generative and there doesn't seem to be any track on the actual game. It's a screensaver. So... I suppose you could sabotage someone's work by taking down all of the paper on the wall or, um, uh, I, I don't know, deleting the Discord or um, the Twitch VODs or something, you know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, on, on the um, – that's actually pretty interesting. On the itch page, which I'll post in um, – on our Twitter, as we do on our games eps, we yes, post all of our give music us a follow and games. If you haven't given us a follow on Twitter, we're bite into it. Very easy to find. Yep. Um, um, there's a description that says, you know, this is trying to show that cartography is an inherently social activity, and the maps are made by those who can who can map these. Um, and made with different biases and different people's personalities and things like that. So I wonder, you know, how much maps were sabotaged in real life? Yeah. Like, that's Yeah, that's very interesting. Lot, right? Mm, probably heaps yeah. of professional jealousy on the go. <laughs> yeah, or just, just plain colonisation and white supremacy. Plenty of that. <laughs> Absolutely plenty of that. <laughs> All right. Well, on that beautiful note. Yes. Um, um, yes. If we want to bring it back to really fun things, I must say that the mouse on the you know back of our little falcon looks adorable as heck. And Maze, where can people find out more or have a go at this marvelous little game? Well, you can um, go to itch.io and then just type in Brave Mouse Cartographer, and we'll also put a link on our um, on our Twitter. Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. So, Maze, we have a guest this evening. Yes, the amazing Anne Charleston, uh, born 30th of December 1942, which is notable for a reason, um, an Australian-born actress notable for her career locally and in the UK in theatre and TV. Anne's best-known roles are 
the soap opera Neighbours as Madge Bishop, and in British soaps, Emmerdale as Liddy Lily Butterfield. She also has recurring roles in internationally successful cult series Prisoner and its reimagining Wentworth. Anne Charleston is currently working on the soon-to-be-released video game Wayward Strand, which I am also working with her on, acting as the very beloved Ida Bo Morris, who already features in our very popular trailer. Anne, welcome to the show. Hey, Blaise, what a build-up. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Very well deserved. Yeah, it's been just completely incredible working with you. But I have to say, what made you say yes to Wayward Strand? As someone who you came into the studio and descri- described yourself as a Luddite who's never played a video game, yeah. why this project? Well, I mean, what I had to do, and I, I mean, I voiced this character for the first time almost three years ago um, during the developmental stage, um, and it was something new, something new on one side and something old on the other, because um, I started off my career working at the ABC doing um, radio plays, reading books, uh, all of that. And I love, um, I love um, doing voices. Yeah, beautiful. And <laughs> what did your – did you speak to any colleagues or friends um, about contributing to the video game? No, not at all. <laughs> I was wondering, what might they think about it? Um, yeah. Would... <laughs> well, I was wondering, um, and did you ever think this would be in your career, even sort of five years ago when games really started to, um, you know, go into the mainstream? Did, did it really prick up? Oh, that's something I'm interested in. Or was it a little bit of a surprise? Um, it was a big surprise, but I thought – Hey, it, it's um, it's work. It's the kind of thing that I do, um, and yeah, I'm up for it. And when I actually got to do it, I just found it was a lovely group of people, and it was good fun, and um, I've loved every second of it. Oh, that's really beautiful to hear. Um, it, there's not a lot of older women portrayed in games. Um, do you have thoughts about Hey, darling, how... there's not a lot of older women portrayed anywhere. <laughs> yeah. What... That is very what true. What are your thoughts around, around that kind of thing? Um, did you have any expectations going into a video game about what your character might be like or, or what kinds of things are happening in media for you at the moment? Well, I thought she'd probably be in her dotage um, because that's what I do um, these days. Um, and, um, you know, so I just threw myself into it. And um, I do have a, a couple of days' work coming up at the ABC on a kids' series. I don't think she's in her dotage. She's a bit younger. Um, but I just sort of enjoy doing what I do. 
Yeah. How has it been different um, in terms of how you approach the character and approach the craft and really figure out how how you want to ex- express it? How has it been different for a game versus radio or TV? Um, no difference, really. It's a question of portraying the character and, um, okay, doing it your way, but making sure you defer to the director, which in this case was Georgia, and if she wanted something a different way, I did it. Yeah, you've just been a complete joy to work with as an actor who understands taking direction, for one, but also just... um, the passion that you've shown for the character and understanding her has just been really exceptional. Thank you. I really, I mean, I love the character. And the thing is, she was born the same year as my mother. Oh, wow. That's a delightful Which bit of I find quite interesting. I love that. It's funny how the planets align a little bit sometimes. Oh, no, it's odd, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so what Have you brought... Oh, sorry. No, you have go, you, Maze. Have you felt that you've brought much extra um, than what's in the script, you know, with this kind of, ah, oh, well, she's could be the same age as my mum or those sorts of things? Are those kinds of um, experiences coming through for you? Um, well, I think I got just about everything I needed from the script, from the various scenes, um, it was pretty well written. I mean, there was the occasional typographical error, but we corrected that. <laughs> and um, it all made sense to me. Oh, I'll take that as a huge compliment. Ro, did you have a question? Good. <laughs> well, I was wondering, Anne, um, I guess, what, what has been the most sort of unexpected element of doing this kind of project? Um. I don't think there was anything particularly unexpected. I mean, I knew pretty much what I was expected to deliver, um, and I tried to do it. Yeah, fantastic. And always defers to the director, no matter what you're doing. Yeah, for Um, sure. You mentioned your grandson a fair amount. Um, What do you think about... What was your kind of conception of video games and has that changed since working on Wayward Strand? I've had no conception of video games. I've never seen one. I've bought them, um, paid for them for my grandson, Nate, um, and he loves them and that's fantastic. But I am a complete Luddite. I don't have a com- I don't have a computer. I don't have an email address. I don't even text. I receive texts, and I receive and make phone calls, and that's my uh, level of communication. Well, I was going to ask if, you know, you were going to start launching into a, you know, new hobby as a gamer, but it sounds like you're quite happy to keep going about life how you're going about it. I am pretty much until people demand that I go online. That is a bit of a problem because I think I think people like me, and I'm not the only one, should be um, allowed to uh, communicate in our own way. 
totally agree. Um, yeah, my, my father's 83 and he's um, completely changed. He's gone away from a smartphone back to, you know, one of the old school flip Nokias, all that kind of stuff. So I can completely uh-huh. understand because, yeah, he, he's been feeling very much the same. Felt it altogether too invasive. It is. It's, it's invasive, but it's arm's length. And I like to hear voices. I like to do stuff face-to-face or talk to somebody. Yeah, you're yeah, not wrong. Beautiful. We, um, for the game, are really hoping that, you know, grandparents would play the game with their grandkids, whether they're more watching or commenting. Um, do you think that there's a, a future there where grandparents or um there are more intergenerational players of video games? You've just said the word that I have been saying. It is intergenerational. I don't know about the other computer games. I think a lot of them are a bit of the violent side. This is not. It is intergenerational. It's about a very young girl who's probably about 15 relating to a whole lot of people who are... um, of various ages right through to the old character which I play. And, and I think it's I think it's rather lovely. Oh, absolutely. And the character that you play, who's um named Ida Bo Morris, for our listeners at No, home, she's Ada she's Ida Vaughan. Oh Ida Vaughan, I do apologize. The little girl oh. is Casey Pum Casey Bo Morris. Oh, fantastic. Well um for our listeners at home, would you like to, you know, describe what your character's all about? Um, she's a, she's an old girl. She's in this, um, old hospital. Um, and she's kind, she's gentle. She can be a bit judgmental about certain people in there, um, because she doesn't like everybody, but she's, um, no, she's a good woman. Well, that's awesome. So, Maze, um, for our listeners who haven't crossed paths with Wayward Strand yet, can you give them a very quick rundown on what it is? <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, so, in Wayward Strand, you play as 14-year-old Casey Morris, and I got my own wires crossed. We have such a beautiful cast of characters. Um, and you play uh, in 1978 Australia – um, in Inverloch, just off the coast, and your mum is head nurse of this flying hospital ship uh, where Ida lives and a whole lot of other beautiful residents um, who are Ida's friends, foes, nemesises. <laughs> Nemeses? <laughs> Nemeses. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the game is really inspired by interactive theatre and how um, – audiences can walk around these theatre shows and have um, a limited amount of agency but still a pretty interesting kind. So I think when you're 14 years old in a hospital um, and told to just chat to the oldies and and keep them busy um, while we do our medical jobs – there's only so much agency that you do have, you know, you're not really in charge of life or death decisions like a normal game might be. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think. And did, did that kind of theatrical tone come across at all to you? Um, I think possibly 
at certain points, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a, a fine line um, that we're bridging in this kind of digital theatre, I suppose. Absolutely. Um, and Anne, do you have any friends who play video games? Uh, um, not a lot of friends. My my son does. He plays with my grandson. Um, they're about the only two. Oh, terrific. What, yeah. Yeah, what... Yeah, what what do your family members think about you getting into this big old gaming thing? I don't know. Many of them know I've done it. Oh. <laughs> I haven't spread it around. I've just said I've got this job. <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm loving it. And um, and that's it. How marvellous. I love that. Well, listeners can stay um, in the loop about Wayward Strand at waywardstrand.com and all the socials and have a have a play with Anne through the beautiful Ida Vaughan. <laughs> well, she's an ugly old Ida Vaughan, but she's quite sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. Amazing. <laughs> okay. Terrific. Well, thank loads you. Loads and loads of love. And uh, yes. I hope the whole thing is hugely successful because I think it's quite beautiful. Oh, that's marvellous. Well, thank you so much, Anne. I was absolutely thrilled to hear you were coming on the show tonight. I was very much into Neighbours in my um, slightly younger years, so very excited to speak to you this evening. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Maze, you take care. Yeah, you too. Lose love. <laughs> Bye. Bye. So we've just been speaking with the absolutely delightful Anne Charleston, who um, has been uh, doing some beautiful voice work for the Australian game Wayward Strand. And most of you will know her from um, Neighbours as Madge Bishop and a whole bunch of fabulous British soaps. So how exciting. I, was, I must admit I was a little bit fangirly when I heard she was coming on the show. Yes. Yes. So yes. thank you for coordinating yes. that, Maze. Triple R. So there's a couple of little things lurking around um, in terms of events and things. Acme's Women in Games exhibit is hitting the road. Yes, it's going to the Yarra Ranges. Um, so if you're over there, you'll be able to um, take a look at some of the amazing games that um, Australian women have worked on. Um, indies to triple A's produced by women across a variety of disciplines, so producers, artists, programmers. Um, the Code Breakers exhibit hopes to provoke is a rethinking of industry stereotypes. So that'll be at the Yarra Rangers Regional Museum very soon. Excellent. And this Friday from 8pm at Inflation is uh, the Glitch, the Gaming and Pop Culture Nightclub. So you can get your tickets, 17 bucks a head via Eventbrite for huge levels, video games, board games, anime lounge, nerdy birds, Burlesque, cheeky drag, trivia, prizes, all the good things. So, all happening. Um, thank you so much to our guest, Anne, this evening, and thanks so much for organising it, Maze. So excited. No worries. Thanks for stepping in and doing an awesome job panelling with all of our different Skype and phone, everything at once. Hi, this is Vanessa Taholka. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news. Broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Triple R's website or bite into its Twitter or Facebook accounts.